The following podcast is recorded and produced by Emerge, a media creators co-op, in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Double Fist Punch Podcast, the only podcast where we teach you how to fight. Um, Unfortunately, we're skipping the episode where a bunch of that happens. So um, We're not skipping it. Well, we're, just, we're coming back to yes, it. Yes, we're coming we're, back we're delaying to it. it. Yes. That episode would be? The Seed. The Seed. So we yes. decided that when we do this one, we're going to do a watch party. Yeah, we're more like do... we'll do more of a reacts. Yeah, oh, than style. I actually have an email. Okay. Wow. So, yes. From a fan. Yes. From the fan. From the fan. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. Huh. This is a monumental location here. Right. I do have another friend that watches. I don't think this is the person who sent the email though, so I'm just no. shocked. <laughs> no. Okay, what did they have to say? All right, this was in relation to uh, the episode. About the penal colony. I forget exactly which episode that was. Like, this one where they go down to the penal colony, right, the that's, wi- um, mind wipes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. The that's the one where the dagger of the mind. Yeah. yeah. Dagger of the mind. All right. So, this is I what they I love you, s- Helen. <laughs> I love yeah. you, Helen. I've always loved you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got go busy after the Thanksgiving party. Um, so, this is what they have to say. I've always heard that the episodes of Star Trek commented commented a lot about the current social issues happening at the time of filming, the treatment of mentally ill people, how it changed them on the penal colony. I heard a comment on electric shock therapy. It would be great if you could bring those out, like you did in your discussion of the Jim Crow laws and Uhura and her roles. Having strong female roles was a comment in in itself, even if they stopped the networks by having them all beautiful. Right. Uh, love the details of the podcast and the filming discussions. Great podcast with little known facts. Great, thank you. Thank you. Who is that? Okay, <laughs> never mind. We'll keep it secret. That is my mother. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, hey, that's right. Hey, she likes it, and obviously. Uh, so, does, does your mom? Your mom watched a lot of Star Trek, I assume. Oh yeah. Great. So that's oh, kind yeah. of like how you got into it, so to speak. Um. I would. Did s- you find it on your own? Or yeah, I kind of found it on my own. I I, I always kind of like had it. Um, as a uh, like an older person thing for a while, and then I just kind of w- started watching it right. one day because it was on, yeah. and you know that's, that's kind of like my son. I mean, I think um, he didn't really like Star Trek because Joel Dan watched it, and <laughs> he got a little bit. But he really likes the storytelling, especially the old series. And we often talk about that. Like, I think what was the one episode we were talking about? ESP. He had never heard of ESP. Like twenty something year olds don't know what ESP is. I think they call it something else now. They don't call it ESP. Like yeah, that was the Tello, whatever, like first it. episode, right? Yeah, that was the first yeah. episode. Cool, though. Well, thanks for, for mom for sending yeah. me got a, We've Thank got a couple fans, so. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so we're going to – I'm excited for Spacey. We can see if maybe we can have a – like, uh, obviously, it's so important. Obviously, because of the movie, The Wrath mm-hmm. of Khan, um, but also because of the implications of some of the characters that have continued into um, – you know some of the other series like so they they definitely created a lot of lore with with that episode yeah there was a lot of lore in that episode like you know we get we get a lot of dates but you know 
Um, I think we've discussed this before. You kind of have to take the dates given by Star Trek with like a gr grain of salt. Just they all they do get um, retconned, and you know they, they just do. Have they to, find great ways yeah. on Voyager and then on Strange New Worlds to talking about why the timeline is wrong. Yeah. Um, and they used Voyager. There's a great. There's some great episodes where Voyager travels back to 1996, which is when that should have happened. But they find out that another guy that had kind of like basically stolen some time devices has screwed up the timeline. So the, the timeline, and they kind of steal from Doctor Who that the, the, the timeline, time is trying to always fix itself. Mm -hmm. Like, if, and again, like even Spock says, like um, in the episode City on the Edge of Forever, he talks about like that time is like a river with eddies and back currents and it wants to flow. And, um, so those currents should bring Kirk and Spock somewhere near mm -hmm. where McCoy causes the change in the timeline. So Star Trek has been pretty good, like with the way they use time. Not always. Sometimes yeah. they're like, what? Like what? <laughs> but no. But I think like definitely that'll be interesting. They, they, we get when we ever get to that stuff, we'll definitely talk about some of that. So yeah. So uh, what we have here is Return of the Archons, which is this this bottom. Uh, yes artwork there um so we have a summary here group mind control threatens the enterprise crew i guess we're just getting right into it yep. when the enterprise visits beta 3 to learn what happened to the uss archon a century ago kirk and company find a planet of blissful people controlled by landru an omniscient ruler landru absorbed the archons into the body a fate that awakes kirk's crew unless he can find a way to destroy landru and he'd better hurry the Enterprise is being pulled from orbit. Gene Roddenberry took the name Archons from a social club he belonged to while in high school. Oh, there you go. Um, I so, did not know that, and I have owned that videotape for, <laughs> I just yeah. probably never, <laughs> I almost think I didn't ever read those, because <laughs> I knew what the episodes were, so I probably was buying the tape. I'm sure I bought this tape because of Space, no, no, this was the one that came, this was Columbia House. For you, for you millennials that don't know what Columbia House, I think that's the right generation. Columbia mm -hmm. House was like you would get this tape once a month. The first one was like a penny, and then after that you got once a month. And this, this in 1989 or maybe 90 was 26 dollars for two episodes. So I don't want to hear anybody bitching about the cost of streaming services because you know how much hours of watch time you're getting for your $16 on, on Disney Plus or whatever it might be. I'm paying $26 in $90. I don't even know what inflation is for two episodes. And I was like, that's a deal. So. Yeah. It was a rough year. To, it was a rough time to be a Star Trek fan. It was a rough time. Well, I mean, because I mean, it was still on TV and stuff, but um, but this was like VHS, so you could throw it in and watch it whenever you want. So yeah, so I guess we'll get the the B plot out of the way as quickly yes. as possible. There there is like a, a slight like purge that happens, and then yes. that just gets dropped. It, it's uh, well, festival. apparently, I, did, I think they say how often that happens. It's not every day, but there's yeah, like. like monthly maybe? it's like there's yeah that don't, i'm not i'm sure they do we probably missed it but there's definitely um like they built into the system kind of like the movie the purge mm -hmm. and i don't know if the purge knew have ever seen this episode and they stole like i don't know like I don't, i've never looked into that 
Um, but it's kind of like the purge that one hour, right? Is no, it's not even. It's more than an I hour. I think it's a night. It's yeah. a night, and they can do whatever they want, and and. But it's really only the younger people. Yeah, it's it's um like the older adult, people stay in the house. Yeah, they kind of bunker down. Uh, yeah, and and, um, and you have to. It looks like you have to participate in this too. It feels, but the the difference between this and the purge, you know, to to, to just if we're going with that analogy. Is that they are there is mental control by Landry. Mm-hmm. You are of the body. Like most people are being controlled by whatever that mechanism is, and it's the computer. And I'm sure there's something within the the atmosphere. I don't think they ever they yada yada that a little bit. Yeah. But um, where is in the purge you choose to go out? Like, yeah. It, it's more of like you act within society, and then those twelve hours, whatever it is, in the overnight, you can you could don't you're not going to get arrested. So do whatever you want. Where this is more like, a, like almost like a release valve. Right? Yeah, it seems like the what they were trying to get at is that the um, this this festival is like a way to release pent up like yes. emotion that Landrew suppresses. Right. Um, and I guess this is like just something that affects younger people more than older people, which I guess makes sense right. in a way. Um. I the the purge like maybe for this like this mind control thing it makes right. sense. I never agreed with the philosophy philosophy of the purge like at all. Right. Um but like you know for this with mind control and like it's almost Well there's no magical. choice and society's yeah. not developing because they certainly talk about the fact of whether they should be interfering with the society. Yeah. Well, they already interfered with the Federation because obviously the the well, it's not a Federation ship back then, but like the the USS Archon, which is um, there's a lot of ships that didn't have success. Yeah, correct. That went somewhere and then disappeared. Um, and this was like probably the first one. And then um, so he already kind of feels like mm-hmm. he has, and obviously he has to save the ship. So like there is that aspect of it too. It's, the inter- the episode starts pretty cool. Like I, I'm, I'm happy for like uh, George Takei because he gets like kind of cool acting opportunity in this. And there are a lot of like secondary characters that I wish we would have seen again, like that became other characters. I think they were trying to figure out who the other guy next to Sula was going to be, mm-hmm. and obviously it ended up being Chekhov. But I feel like is it the sales or whatever the guy is? I feel like the yeah. other guy, the one, it's like your daughter's out there. Like th- it's like. In future seasons, nobody gets those lines. Like yeah. those line, those characters almost barely. We barely have those kind of one-off secondary characters in future episodes. Yeah, they play with the they they bring they like to bring out uh, the the characters that right. You know, just to add flavor to the right. to the and show. And I wish they would have done more of that because I like some of these characters, like the one that's in the the Gorn episode. That's like uh, a little close for one of those beauties, Captain. Like you know when they're doing like mortar. And um, and then um, this one you got that guy, and he like, and the guy like is he's not just like cannon fodder in the back. Like sometimes the security mm-hmm. guards are like this one is actually like you know kind of cool. I, there's a lot of cool stuff in this episode. I really do. I, I think we made fun. Of, we we talked about this episode it wasn't very good, but I I've kind of I have I have kind of I'm backing off on that a little. But I I think it's because. It, are you going to festival? Yeah. Your daddy is going. You're like, what is that? Like, there's some real that one creepy guy throws me off a little bit. You know. Yeah, f- festival was like it. It really didn't have anything at all to do with the episode. Like, they could have just completely cut the festival out of the entire thing and like. I think it's a 
I think it's the first thing for them to realize that this society is pretty fucked up. I mean, my language. I would have thought the uh, you know the dudes just kind of walking around like you know. I think the sh- I think it's almost built in to show that the manipulative the, the manipulative nature of Landry, that that he allowed like that this is I think that would be make sense. I think that's probably like they don't discuss that enough, but I think it's a great plot point in terms of to get them you know that first moment because then even later on when they're wandering around and everything's kind of looking like they're going to pick up equipment like the fact that you know sticks and stuff to beat them like the fact that he can just do whatever he wants like i almost feel like when they're when they're doing the festival is that does landu tell them to do that to go and rape and kill and attack or is it just like their brains releasing the pent up. I don't like. There's not enough. We don't have enough information about any of that. Yeah, they they don't they don't really like expunge on any of that at all. Right. Um, I mean, I guess that's more of a more of a theory on our own. I guess. Yeah, I would. I, I think you're right on like in the, on the latter. Like it's it's not something that Landrew like actively pursues, but like it's just like you know maybe the computer. By the way, it's a computer. Right. Um, wait, it is? <laughs> uh, wait, wait. it turns out that the computer's behind yeah. all of this on Star Trek? Yeah. Although, admittedly, <laughs> this is the first time. Yeah. This is the first big computer that's th- that has too much power. Yeah. Also, like, they, they wrote the computer very well. Like, yeah. it, like with, with earlier Star Trek, like, I brought this up, you know, way back in the first episodes of this show. Um, the, they would show the bad guy, like, right immediately right this one they hinted at it right for the entire time like the right. the guys with the sticks right. they're just incapable of making decisions basically right. if if things don't fall into the proper parameters right and like that was all and the sticks are pretty cool because they're not a weapon they're just a hollow tube yeah they just like and they ne- there's a lot of weird stuff in this episode which is kind of fun because it's not a technology they understand it's it, it is more powerful than you expect it to be, mm-hmm. even though they look like they're just walking around Mayberry. Um, but they're definitely like, and that's why it makes sense that it's really damaging the Enterprise, and the Enterprise will be destroyed. Like, you know, um, yeah, Landru is very advanced technology. Right. Um, it seems not not advanced in its computations apparently, but well, it's really um, old. Yeah. And it's kind of. He he put his soul, as it were, or whatever, into the computer, but over time, that's kind of a, you know de-evolved into just this technology thing. And we we kind of got that with like Roger Corby when he put his soul into the android, but then he's like, compute, give me any equation to yeah. solve, and it's <laughs> like he lost his humanity. Yeah. And if something like even that you referenced in the email, your mom referenced was that. One of the things of the, the 60s was we were worried about technology. Um, and, and the good news is we don't have any of those concerns about technology ruining everything anymore. No. We, we, we don't have any concerns. No. It, I mean, t- today, like, I mean, I, I have this little device, and there are no problems with this device at all with technology. It's perfect. It's no. like, you know, we've learned to use technology in every way perfect. Yeah, computers can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. can't do anything. They don't think for themselves or write newspaper, write pa- newspaper articles or anything. Like they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're being oh. sarcastic, in case yeah. anyone didn't catch that. Oh. Uh, my friend's uh, dad passed away, and these weird AI obituaries kept popping up. Mm. 
And there's it's weird. Like, what is these? It's like, and they're weird. They're not written by a human being, and it's just creepy as hell, especially the little obituary ones. But they're written very coldly, but somehow trying to sound like they're written by a caring human. It's very bizarre. So yeah. it's interesting that, like, again, that already in this first season, the, that overuse of technology and genetics and mind control and all those things that were big issues in the 60s come out. Again. Yeah, I, I like, like to speak on the, like, the, like, more societal aspects of the episode, I do like that this is a utopian society. Right. But, like, it's a dead society, you know? Yes. Like, the, like it's completely peaceful all the time there, right. except for a festival. But right. that even that's controlled. Like, I don't think anybody gets murdered during festival. Um, the, it's probably the, the, like, when the daughter comes home, yeah, that's that's, that's not good. It's, it's it's not it's not a good. It's not good. You no. know, I mean, whatever happened to her, and we, I mean, I don't want to get into the specifics. What I think probably happened, but it's pretty scary, and I think it's pretty alarming the way they do that for a time. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Yes, I just looked it up. It's the festival, also known as the Red Hour, on Planet Beta Three. I guess it's an hour. I, I thought it was longer, and then they all have to clean up. I, mm-hmm. I do find that. <laughs> all right, now pick up all the crap that you like. All the there's a like whoever whoever sells windows <laughs> on that planet makes a shitload of money because there's a lot of broken windows. Yeah. There's a lot of shots of people breaking windows and stuff. So yeah, we just get the the that the window, window guy's yeah. like the richest dude on Beta Three. <laughs> yeah, safe you <know>? life repair. <laughs> safe life repair. Yeah, um. <laughs> that's great. That's like we make a big commercial for that. Yeah. <laughs> It's your car. It's your <laughs> That's awesome. That'd be a great. That'd be a great reel. A great like yeah. TikTok right there. Like you know, you know. Did your windows get destroyed during that hour? Yeah. Your daddy can call Safe Light and they come and repair your windows. Festival. Festival. <laughs> yeah. That. There are. <laughs> there. I think that thirty seconds. That shot of like festival and they're all yeah. going festival. Yeah. I think that's kind of where it falls. That's that's probably why I have like this weird reaction to this episode. Yeah, it was it was that was a bad. I right. did not like that sequence. Like it's just close ups. It was right. just shots from close ups. Right. And there's just like, right. Yeah. yeah, there is kind of a weird like I'm not sure right. about the director's choices in that <laughs> one moment. But yeah. all right, let's move on. I, <laughs> I'm yeah. getting silly over here. Uh, what would you think of like some of the. Like kind of they, you know, like they, because they, they think they're they're kind of sneaking around, and it turns mm. out Landu's like onto them. They meet a couple guys that were in kind of a, um, whatever, like an underground, so yeah. to speak, and they have a really cool complex thing. So, yeah, kind of like Nazi Germany, where they didn't mm. like the rebellion or the whatever the, the, the guys don't know the underground's like don't know all the people within yeah. their tr- their group to, yeah. to insulate themselves. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. That like you know that they, they kind of hinted at this 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 underground aspect where the they they were they were doing it re- relatively advanced resistance tactics um right like effective resistance tactics obviously you know probably because of budget reasons there weren't very many of them there right. were three right i think There's, we only know of those yeah. three yeah um so it seems like the cells were just like right. one person each um which you know we get to exp- expand on that a little in right. Deep Space Nine, but um, I do like the like the thing where they go with the one guy underground, so to speak, and um, they're in hiding, and the guy brings out this like white panel, 
Mm-hmm. He's like, this is an old piece of technology from, you know, a thousand years ago, whatever. And he's like, and then they start Kirk and Spock and everybody starts to realize, oh, this is society is very different, right? Yeah, we and um, he built this, and they reset society. They but they but s- some of these little pieces of technology still kind of exist. Yeah, I think it was like this um, kind of like almost a um, like pseudo like r- regressive like movement that took place at some point right probably led by the real landrew right um, well no that's the idea is that yeah. he was the philosopher that saved society and they were just they were they were destroying themselves just like and again that was supposed to be the, the allegory or whatever to the to earth that yeah. we were destroying ourselves so that this one philosopher came along and if you even think about the way the vulcans are are, are portrayed it's the same thing mm. the vulcans were were a warrior race they were all killing each other until uh, Sirach, I think. Sirach, the philosophy of Sirach changed everything and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think the 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 definite ish difference between the Vulcans and the uh, right. I don't even know SETI Alpha whatevers, um, whatever you would call them, um, I think there's an individualism to Vulcan philosophy, whereas this one is more like a hive mind, right? Um, which it seems like it. It's, it must draw a lot of energy from Landru to actively control people, which is why he kind. It seems like it kind of like, just lets the indoctrination right. be the thing that keeps loyalty, sure. especially for older people. Sure. Yeah. Um, because you know they're the ones that are doing the resistance. Right. And most of the older people seem like they're just they don't participate in the festival anymore, but they're so indoctrinated to the system mm. that they don't care. Like that one guy that betrays goes and tells them. Oh, you you mock, yeah. You mock Landru, and it you know, and that guy gets the one guy killed, so to speak. Um, I, I, I there's some really cool things in this episode. The one thing I think is hilarious when that one point Spock just clubs a guy. He <laughs> yeah. just he just like up and up like, and the music boom like it's just dramatic. Yeah. Spock just like whack like it's just a yeah. great <laughs> physical, and he was pissed. Like he looked pissed. It's like where's the mocha neck pinch like. Yeah. He just kind of like wails on that guy, knocks him out. It's there's some really cool stuff in that episode. Um, you yep. know, even the spec because society doesn't know how to handle the rebellion, so mm-hmm. to speak. Like if the if the people would just rebel these quicker. Yeah, Landrew doesn't have like the computational ability to actually deal with something like right. that. Like it, it and that's it, how essentially how they're able to defeat him. Yeah, like he, um, yeah. L- Landrew, like. Maybe at some point it was better equipped for resistance, and maybe that that particular subroutine just kind of faded right. over time. But like they're just like the the thing, the dudes with the sticks that come in and they're like, "You will obey," and then Kirk's like, "No,", no. and then they're just like, "Perhaps you do not understand. Yeah. Per- you must not have understood." <laughs> we will rephrase yes. the question. <laughs> per- yeah. <laughs> You will obey now, yes. and then it's like no, and and then they were able, but then they are able to adjust. Yeah, and then Spock even says, "Like I don't think we can count on that working again." Yeah, um, you know, the, the computer makes a like an adjustment. It, it's neat. There's some really good stuff, and then I think even when they actually with the one dude, um, that's willing. Like the one guy was originally all into the yeah. rebellion, and then when he actually gets pressed. Yeah, the younger um, or the older guys, yeah, right? Like he's like, you know, come on, step out of. Here. He's like, I, I'm sorry, and he, and then 
Kirk does the little, you know, the little mini speech, like, you know, the freedom isn't free. And, yeah. And, um, um, I know. think I really li- like, what did you think of the interpretation of the prime directive here? Like, I don't know if the prime directive was directly referenced, like, as the prime directive, but he was definitely talking about they, it. They, the def- they don't, I don't think they say point blank the prime directive, but, like, there's a debate whether they should be interfering with the society. Yeah. And, and, and the prime directive is pretty clear because it says, like, about for yeah. developing societies. Yeah, do and not interfere is, with the development not, of society. But it's not. This is not yeah. a. It's a stagnant society. It, it's a stagnant society because of the of the computer, and I think that's why you know Kirk kind of feels like yeah. he can get away with it. I'm actually looking up like the Prime Directive, also known as Starfleet General Order Number One. The Prime Directive mandates that Starfleet personnel and spacecraft are prohibited from interfering with normal development mm-hmm. of any society, and that any Starfleet vessel or crew. Is expendable to prevent violation of this rule. So, um, that was not a normally developing right. society. Um, but it like, so I mean, it references that the prime directive was talked about in Peace of Action, which is the you know the gangster one, as well as the Nazi Germany one, um, and then also uh, the Exeter on Omega Glory when they when they find like the Earth parallel with America and all that stuff, and then it does reference say that they're. The prime director was arguably broken in Return of the Akron, States of yeah. Armageddon, the Apple. But once again, the argument is is that the prime directive also doesn't apply with advanced planets. No. So, like, well, Taste of Armageddon in the next episode, this is an advanced planet. They mm-hmm. have space travel. So the prime directive doesn't apply to those planets. It's mainly for societies that are not developing, that are younger. I think, they, I think it also... Um, prohibits interference of the political um, machinations sure. of uh, powers like like Cardassia for example right. I remember that being a thing in deep Space Nine where they're like yeah we can't we can't really influence Cardassia's internal politics right um, which you know obviously section 31 was probably doing that but right well yeah that's <laughs> the point um, but no I think that's interesting I think that's a good point like Kirk has the Kirk makes the value. To, I'm assuming that when this happens, he has them send a you know a report in, yeah. and then they you know clear him. It's like SVU. Well, it was a good shooting. You know, yeah. like he <laughs> was like he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, he, you know, because uh, yeah, otherwise the show's over. But um, you know, he makes a value decision that a we already interfered with society mm-hmm. because the Akrons the Archons were already here. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in the piece of the action, like that happens a few times. But we we are we have to clean up the mess that we started. Not that the Archons made a mess, because they obviously were just absorbed by mm-hmm. Landru and everything. And that we, we have to assume that a lo- the people from that ship ended up in that society yeah. or were killed. Um, so um, I, I think that he, I don't think I think this is a fair example of where Kirk makes the decision, a command decision to that Landru has the computer has gotten to the point where it isn't the society is not developing. And, mm-hmm. and these people are essentially a, like slaves so to speak yeah that's why i think he he probably gets away with breaking the prime directive yeah do you think that um what do you think picard would do in this situation i don't i don't think he i think he i think eventually they would come to that conclusion but i don't think i think picard would have to be dragged into that conclusion yeah i feel like um yeah that's an interesting that's an interesting um thing I feel like Picard would have been like his 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 solution would have been more of him 
similar to what Kirk ended up doing with the mm. computer, but like getting the computer to change its ways, yeah. <laughs> like not to sit, not self destruct. Yeah. Kirk gets it to like, you're bad, kill yeah. yourself. Like yeah. gets it to commit suicide. He cyberbullies the computer, <laughs> and then where Picard would be like, don't you understand? I will play my flute, and yeah. you will decide to like. Yeah, yeah Picard. Yeah, like it'll be definitely. It would be definitely. A, and again, that's the difference between Picard and Kirk, which was obviously written specifically to make them very different. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think it's a good point. I think Cisco would have gone in there and probably punched it. You yeah, know, like, and it would have been taken care of. It, you know, yeah. like, you know, yeah, Picard. Cisco would have just shot it. You know, <laughs> Cisco. Yeah, like Cisco <laughs> is kind of Kirky. Um, but probably even more so at times. Uh, the. What I liked about what Kirk did there was that he's just like, yeah, but like, what what society have you built here, computer? What? And the computer's like, it just doesn't have an answer for him. He says, right. it's it's peaceful. Well, right. is that a good society, computer? And yeah. the computer's like, and you're actually harming the body. Yeah. And then he gets and Spock, and then Spock poses a question to the computer, and the computer can't answer the question. So I, I like that Spock kind of jumps in. Yes, yeah, I, I like Kirk's. I like Kirk's snarky attitude, though. <laughs> yeah. He goes, he goes like, "You guys, you guys might want to get a new job. Yeah. <laughs> get off those robes and get a new job." I'm like, "Whoa, your society was just irreparably changed, yeah. and you're harassing guys. Yeah. You're harassing guys." Um, I think Doctor what was it, Lindstrom? Oh, Lindstrom, yeah. He he was one of the Archons, right? Um, or was he just a? I, I watched like the first ten minutes of the episode, like fairly long time. Oh, Lindstrom! Ago. I don't think he's a doctor. I think he's just like uh, one of the crewmen. Hmm. Is he the one who runs? The, he, he he told Lindstrom to kind of like monitor things. I oh think. yeah, yeah, that's right. So I'm kind of wondering what I'm trying to remember what his position was. Yeah. Um, but like the fact that the Archons, the the fact that in the Return of the Archons. He just totally just tears this computer apart, right? Just the, their entire society is collapsed. Right. Um, somehow all of this just rep, uh, results in like a few scuffles um, right. instead of like widespread panic. Right. And he's just no, but the, you're right. Lindstrom is a psychiatrist. He's a so- sociologist. Hmm. He stays back uh. with like other crew members. I'm assuming it's somebody. Somebody went and brought them. Yeah, you know, I, came I s- back and checked on them. Yeah, I assume it's like the same yeah, thing. Yeah, Lindstrom as stays stays there to help the culture. It says here he later stays behind on the plant to help the population establish independent society after the deactivation of the planetary computer, which had co- controlled them for millennia. Yeah. So, he's a psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. He. he, he the. Yeah, they, they, that society would definitely need help after all that. Like they, they tend to do that, though. Like, most of these episodes, even on Next Generation and other shows, they leave a group of people behind. Yeah. To, like... And I even like the guys... Yeah, we even had a couple domestic squabbles and yeah. stuff already. Like, it's... But it's human, and that's really kind of the point that, like... It's kind of the free will thing. That, mm. you know, you can't have a God... God gives us free will. Like, if you're a religious person... You know, why does God, you know, allow car accidents? Well, you know, in the philosophy be, well, God gave us free will. I'm not, mm. I don't want to argue about whether God exists or not. But, you know, the argument for free will is that God allowed, gave us the, the ability to create a car 
and then we should also create laws because God gave us that free will and guidance through the Bible and through mm. other religious things, and we should. That's why that happens. Yes. You know. uh, either way, like you, you, you definitely like freedom allows you creativity, right. which is something that Kirk explicitly brings right. up. So I don't think yeah. I don't think that he would have ever gotten in trouble, like even in yeah. like. Obviously, if this was a real thing, I don't think Kirk would have gotten in trouble because, especially, also find out that they like essentially murdered the crew of the the you know the, yeah. the Archon and like the crew were like essentially absorbed or killed. The ship you know. probably destroyed, and you yeah. know it's kind of neat. Like I, I I think this is a pretty good episode. It's better than I remembered. I like the fact that they actually put on period appropriate period costumes and be yeah. down in their you know uniforms like we were on. Um, I think like there's a, some cool episodes between Kirk and Scotty. Um, mm-hmm. Nimoy, uh, 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 DeForest Kelly has a couple of things like "Get out of the body," yeah, and he has to like punch his friend in the face or whatever he has to do. And, yeah, Sulu's um, just kind of up on the ship the yeah. entire time, just kind of yeah. like, "Hi, how are you?" He's like, "Put put a guard on, put a guard on Sulu." He's like, "On Sulu?" Like yeah. it's kind of like he's like, "Yeah, just keep an eye on him," like because he doesn't know how much maybe like Landru could make Sulu even up in the ship get up and go and cause damage to the ship. Like, you know, like, because that's part of the way the computer was processing this yeah. stuff. So it's a good episode. I don't know. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so. so I think that about covers yeah. Return of the Archons. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't think of anything else I wanted to bring I up necessarily. I think that's, that's pretty um, much. So time to get on to another utopian society. We have, yeah, we have another, um, um, which, you know. Oh, th- this is. This I is have a, always liked this. I've always liked this episode. Yeah, it's a beautiful episode. Um. It has one of my favorite – I just posted – I watched this episode the other day. Yeah. And then I posted my, fav- my favorite Spock moments of all time is, is in this episode. Um, I really like this episode. But Spock does something freaking hilarious in this episode, which I just love. But go I'm ahead. Do you want to – trying to remember which um, – Well, I, when we get to it, I'll bring yeah. it up. Let's just start with the episode. I think uh, I have to read it in this Yeah, thing. I don't think – I don't have, have the, the VHS in this one. So let's see how terrible the description is on this one. Uh, Taste of Armageddon. The Enterprise is caught in a bizarre interplanetary war fought entirely by computers, but with real deaths. And that's how we go. That's the entire that's, thing? That's not a great, All right, so, not a great description. But so, most of the ones in this book aren't great. So, yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll give a better summary. So basically, they show up on this planet and... They're they're pursuing a another lost ship actually, because um, like what was it a hundred years ago another right. ship showed up at this planet disappeared, right. so they're there again with this um, diplomat who's you know right. just the biggest asshole ever. Um, well, the valiant. Yeah. The valiant. The valiant disappears, and they they get there and basically immediately. Something's wrong. They they beam down. They're like, okay, so what? Well, well, they're told not to beam yeah, down. They, they're, they're told, told to not stay to, away. Yeah, they're told to right. stay away, and they they get there, and they're like, well, we told you, but as long as you're here, you know, we might as well show you around. Right. So during this, they get attacked. Um, there's an attack that happens, quote unquote, and essentially they're like, you know, they see like little lights appear on a war map of some kind. Right. And then another one, which I assume is a space map. Right. Um, and they're like, oops, uh, your ship is dead and millions of our people are de- or half a million of our people are dead. Right. So what it turns out is that they're not actually 
attacking each other with actual weapons. They're just simulating combat. There's and, two computers yeah. that pretend to have a war, and the treaty has allowed them. They've gone on for whatever five hundred years or whatever it mm. is. Um, that uh, you know, like if, if these tell you you lost fifty people, then we lost. Then, then your fifty people commit suicide. Yeah, like, within these like disintegration chambers. Yeah, they got and, the um, disintegration booths, right. which are. So it's weird because I've always theorized in this episode the reason why the Enterprise gets caught in this is because the other planet saw this big ship show up at that planet and they were like, what's this ship doing here? All right, fire our, our, our virtual you know attack and let's take that ship out because those people, why are they going to that planet and not coming here? So mm-hmm. you know they were kind of like thought that they were going to be betrayed. So that's why they purposely attack, I think, the Enterprise. Because then they try to tell them not to come, but now the Kirk's there, and they're like, "You're gonna have to beam down and all that stuff." Yeah, so you know, have your crew commit suicide. You know. Yeah, the 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 crux of the episode really kind of went over like gentlemen's agreements in war. Sure. You know, like yeah, sure, yeah, that's a good point. It's it's kind of like like uh, there are. There, there are historical analogies to this, but like it's, it's, it's such an extreme example that like I can't really pick out anything, right? Uh, because I, I guess if if you wanted to pick something, it's selecting two champions from an army and having them duel, and then sure. you know the loser surrenders, and right. you know nobody has to, you know, no, no villages need to right. be burned down. Yeah, you don't have to killed. kill your crops, and you don't have yeah. to have starvation. And at some point, this has just gotten to the point where everybody's just too easy to accept it. It's mm-hmm. become established in society that some people just have to go and commit suicide. It's kind of like Logan's Run, right? But the movie Logan's Run, where you know you get to a certain age and then you just have to like you 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 know you in Logan's Run you get to a certain age, I think it's like thirty five or something, and then you just die. Like you go into the thing and you commit suicide because you you're too old for society. Um, that's kind of a and that's a nineteen seventy four film that came out. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's definitely, like, a lot of those kinds of concepts that are thought about in the 60s and early 70s. Um, this is just one of those things, like, um, you know, this war by, you know, this theoretical war, war games or whatever. And and I – and I, they're all just so used to it mm-hmm. um, yeah, that they don't even question it. They yeah, don't even question it, which is kind of an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, was the thing with it. We get the first of our – Guys, you want to punch in the face? Oh um, yes, Ambassador Fox. You just want to punch that guy in the face. Yeah, he's he's he is just utterly convinced that there is nothing wrong with this planet, um, or that he can't yeah. fix himself. Yeah. Like his hubris is just like diplomacy is best left to diplomats. Like he's yeah. really impressed with himself in this. Yeah, you know? yeah, he's. Uh, I think I that was a cool bit where right. um, Kirk, Kirk quote-unquote gives an order to the sh- to the ship you know oh everybody's getting shore leave you know everybody beam down uh we're gonna beam up some some people from uh what was it uh yeah whatever what, whatever they were called right. um and you know everybody's gonna exit the ship and scotty's just like no that's not that's not an order that would be given by kirk right. um so they they immediately check the right the audio file and they're like yeah that's not kirk right um and fox says oh a misunderstanding and you know like blah 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 and then at one point he's like tells scotty and 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 scotty's like 
The screens stay up. Yeah. Like, he refuses to put the ship at risk until he knows that the captain's okay. So he's like, you can do whatever you want. There is one um, big plot point that always comes up on social media when this episode ever gets talked about. It's like, how did Fox beam down to the planet? I don't think the shields beaming was a thing yet. I, I'm pretty sure that he tells him to lower the shields so he can beam down. And Scotty says, I'm not putting the screens down hmm. to let anybody. So somehow Fox and his like, you know, assistant are able to beam down through the shields. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's a continuity thing that I'm not going to make a big deal about because there's got to be those things. Yeah. Um, it just kind of happens. I know that at one point Scotty's smart enough to – well, that doesn't come till later on when they get to General Order 24, which is one of the coolest things ever. Uh, I I love the General, General Order 24 is just, like, awesome because it's, yeah. like, it's really – are you really going to do that? But, <laughs> like, you got to have it in the books. Yeah, there's just a, a rule in the in Starfleet ha- uh, handbook. Uh, yeah, orbital bombardment. <laughs> Extermination. Extermination. And and it's Exterminatus. And I, I'm sure that this was not the context of when it would be expected to be used, but Kirk plays his hand. This is a poker move. I don't think Kirk really was planning. I think he would have tried to cancel this if he needed to, mm-hmm. if it wasn't going to work. Or he said, Well, you know what? Oh well. Like I'm not gonna let my crew die. Um, you know, um, especially since they were attacking his ship. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when I think he he Kirk realizes early on how to play this, and and he doesn't really want to do this, like because they go and they you know they they're they're put in the the they're whatever they're taken hostage and they're put in that room, and this is there's two really great episodes of Spock in this episode. Hmm. The Vulcan mind meld through the wall is great. Like I just love the Vulcan mind meld through the wall. It's a great sequence. It's shot really well mm-hmm. and it's performed really well. As Nimoy is like kind of is working its way, and even the actor that's has the Vulcan mind meld, yeah. and he's kind of like, and then he just kind of slowly, and he's not like robotic. It's mm. just kind of like it's a trance. It's almost. a trance, and the actor and the directing was well done. Mm. Um, and I like that. Then they just, you know, and then Kirk says to him after that works, he says, "Mr. Spock, we're gonna need more weapons." Yeah. And he and he doesn't say like, "Let's go get some more guns." Like he's like, "We're gonna." Need, and Spock's like, "I understand." Like, yeah. you know, like there's a. There's a neat aspect of that. Yeah. And that leads to my favorite moment, one of my favorite Spock moments of all time. And you got to watch this clip. Because, so they're there in the hallway and they stop, what's her face, Barbara Hershey, whatever mm. the actress's name, not Barbara Hershey, but that, that actress that was on like Who Keeps Losing Their Ears later on. I love that actress. And, uh, and he's like, you can't go in there. And he's like, I have to. He's like, no, you're not. So Spock walks over there. Mm. And while Spock's oh, walking yeah, over there, I know there, what you're talking Kirk's about. got a smirk on his face. Yeah. Like, if you watch the episode back, Kirk's like, he's like, oh, this is going to be great. And Spock walks, excuse me, sir, you have a multi-legged creature crawling on your shoulder. And he just, and the guy looks and he gives him the Vulcan neck pinch. And the music that's associated, boom, like just really dramatic music, too. <laughs> Where he, and Spock just like nonchalantly catches him and walks him out of the camera shot after he knocks him out. And then he grabs the weapon. And meanwhile, they cut back to a shot of Shatner, and Shatner's just smirking again. Like, <laughs> I'm sure they shot those two shots at the same time. But it's like Kirk loved this. He thought it was yeah. hilarious. Like, you know, it's almost like they have this worked out. Like, they've done this before. This They're going to use this again. And it's like, but Spock can't lie. His Vulcans can't lie. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, whatever. 
And then he, but he grabbed the thing, and then he's like, everyone, move. and then they blow up a couple of disintegration chambers, and yeah. and, and this guy just, it, it's funny, Amir Seven or whatever his name is, like, they don't know how to handle resistance. There's yeah. no resistance no, to this in their society, so he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, they're just kind of standing there, like, it, uh, Spock, when he does that, just kind of walks directly up to the guy, like, he, he doesn't come up behind him, just walks straight up to him. He's just kind of standing there. Like, he, yeah. he didn't even have to do that. He, he, he could have just, like... Taken the gun out of his hand. He basically, he just said, yeah, give me this. Yeah, but it's so much better yeah. that he just walks up and says this most ridiculous. Yeah. He doesn't say spider. Just, yeah. You know, it's so Spock. And then there's another one in this episode, too, when, like, when they're leaving, and the only person they're leaving in the room is the yeoman and the girl and the woman. And he's like, yeoman, I think, tomorrow, I think her name yeah. is like, do not let her leave. Sit on her if you have to. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Fox, like, so literal in his directions yeah. in this episode. Like, yeah, knock her down. And knock sit her on down her. and sit on her. If like, not, I always I, I wish we came back and there was a moment where she's laying there and the woman's just sitting on yeah. her. Like, Yeoman Tamara's just sitting on her. Yeah. Is that the last time we see Yeoman Tamara? I think that's the only time we see Yeoman Tamara. Oh, she's she's there a lot. She has a lot of lines, actually. I don't I don't really know, like, And again, this where is one of those things that I think in these early episodes. Um, we have a lot of characters that were coming and going. Yeah, maybe they were trying out to see, like, yeah. you know, what the audience reaction would be yeah. to, like, because, like... Because we talk about, like, you know, M Commander Kyle and Commander Leslie and Yeoman Rand and, you know, characters that had a little bit more screen time, but there's a lot of other characters that came and went that were kind of interesting characters and I and a lot of different, uh, you know, backgrounds and races and, I, I don't know, I like this. I mean, I, I thought she was, yeah, there's some really good ones in this one. Yeah, yeah. They pull in this. Uh, she's like, I believe, a Japanese American actress. Probably. Um, and like, way more. Like, I think she. She had a Japanese accent. I think. Yeah. Like, sh so like it was even more so than like Sulu. Sure. Um, I yeah. don't really think we see her ever again. Right. Um, but it's interesting that they pulled her in because I imagine it was like, almost like a. Like a trial run for that character. She's only in one episode. All right. Well, that answers I mean, that. Well, it's Miko, Nayama, a member of the Enterprise Landing Party in the episode, Gates of Armageddon. I mean, she might have been a background character of the actress. I mean, they just want to just have lines, but they don't list her. This book's not always. This book's kind of old. I'm sure someone else has done significant research on, you know, Truckopedia or something like yeah. that, where there's more information. Yeah, there were also just a lot of little details in this yeah. episode, like um, the guard, the security officers that are with them. Yeah, they at some point take some uniforms and are dressed right. up as the uh, yeah. the guards for the what whatever they're called, right. um, which I thought was interesting, just because yeah. usually they just kind of hang out in their their regular outfits. Right. Um, but in this time, in this part, they're just like, you know, yeah, we're gonna be. Uh, well, they use them so they can wander around a yeah. little bit, and then. Um, and they use it for a trick too. They right. they bring I think they bring Kirk They pretend to bring Spock, Spock, I think. Yeah. And then they blow up another one of the disintegration yeah. chambers. Um, oh. at that. That's when they're trying to um help Kirk. In the meantime, Kirk does the whole I do like that scene where Kirk goes to see Amir uh, Amir 7 in his like office or whatever it is and he's like, "What job is you have to do?" Yeah. And I'm a Bavarian. And they have that great little banter between their society and um and he's like just go get your communicator it's down the hall to the left and he's like no you're gonna come with me and then yeah. they have a 
I, we have one of those fight scenes where you know Kirk you know does the weird throws his body into a guy mm-hmm. and, and like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, he's just fighting him and gets yeah. you know thrown into a wall. He gets you punched know. a bunch. Gets pistol whipped and then you know gets taken to right. to the to the di- not no he didn't get to yo he did he was gonna get taken to a disintegration ter- chamber right and then that's when Spock does well the they move. feel like they still need him because they need him to get the ship to beam down hmm. especially because they bring him back to um like the headquarters or whatever it is the you know the command room and. And they're like, they make the mistake of bringing up, like, calling the ship. Yeah. And and, and that's where General and we have your captain, and then Kirk just jumps in action. He says, Scotty, General Order 24, in 12 hours, or whatever yeah. number of hours, two hours, whatever it was. And and he's like, and he's like, oh, he goes, the only difference is I won't be here. Because then they say, we're yeah. going to throw you in a disintegration chamber. He's like, okay, the only difference is I'm just not going to see your society get destroyed. Yeah. And it's and it's really is the, the only hand, the only play he has left. Mm-hmm. You know, because he, he's got to, you know, he's yeah. got to do something. So. Um, I I was wrong. They didn't save Kirk with that ruse. They saved Fox with that. Oh yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, right. and then Fox is like, all right, well, you know, since things are the cards are on the table now, I'm gonna pick up a gun and right. Uh, which what what yeah. I like is like you got the two security officers, right? right. Uh, you got Spock in the in between them, right? So. Right. They're walking down a hallway. They're taking about 75% of the right. the hallway with Spock and the two security officers. And then you have Le- um, Fox's attendant right. all the way at the edge. Right. And he's the one that gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, these guys are obviously not very good at doing right. war. Um, right. Yeah, they're not really like – they're not doing anything covertly. They're yeah. literally just walking down the hall. And the weapons are lazy in this episode because they yeah. don't like they only make a noise. We don't see yeah. any like lasers. I mean, obviously there were limitations to budget in nineteen sixty. Yeah. Those probably would have been very expensive to have, like a hallway battle. And, like you know, we watch Next Generation and Enterprise, and they have like phaser battles on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, where this one would would made a lot would make a lot less sense to you know. Yeah, that had to be a uh, budget thing because they've used phasers before. Yeah. but we don't really see a lot of phaser firefights. Um, like on Next Generation Deep Space Nine, where they're doing it multiple, multiple mm-hmm. times, where they pretty much would be like, "I fire a phaser," and that would be the extent of it. You know, like not going to be like a phaser fight, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, they seem to prefer the uh, the art of getting in close and settling it with their fists. Yeah, which right. is, <laughs> I'm sure, a little bit of you know, like cowboy diplomacy in between. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, I like I like the fact that um, I like the way this works out, and then. Once again, they get in there and they, you know, they destroy the computer and mm-hmm. Spock, you know, and they're now, in a, you know, he possesses the network, the capabilities of the computer and Dr. Walsh has to return. Yeah. <laughs> Turn this, destroy this one and they'll all go. And the one guy, I like the one guy's like, no, please don't. Like the one guy, they gave him one extra line. Like, because yeah. the guy should say, hey, no, this is my society here. You know. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, wait, <laughs> you know, stop. Yeah, you oh. Uh, but what I liked is that, like, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of, it's it's kind of like if we had developed nuclear bombs, right? And like sure. everybody had nuclear bombs, and then sure. we just kind of agreed that we would wage war this way, right? Um. What, what Kirk basically introduced to this society was mad doctrine, right? Just mutually assured destruction. Sure. 
as a way of brokering peace between the two sides. But my understanding was that they were using real bombs at one point, and their societies were both dying, and that was how they – that was the, the peace solution 500 years ago because society – the planets were dying, and they mm. were starving, and someone decided, well, we don't really want to have peace, but we'll just have, like, this – you know, you know, like it's 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 a kind of a weird thing, yeah. um, in terms of how this happened. We don't really have a lot of information exactly, but it, it's a it's a great it's a great MacGuffin to determine how how you know for you know it's war games. It's basically yeah. war games. It's kind of like you know like the Matthew Broderick movie, except they're actually waging a real war. You know, with just with computers, and it's an interesting thing like that that this was this society's solution to war. Yeah, I I mean, I liked I liked Spock's line in this uh, when he's like, "There's a certain logic to it," and the um, chancellor or whatever says, "Oh, so you agree?" And he's like, "I do not agree. I just understand." (laughs) I just understand. Yeah, and there's even that thing later in the episode. I think at the end, there's the typical scene where they get back to the ship and they do the you know the. Spock, you would have made an excellent computer. I got this episode. Yeah, so yeah. Like, well, thank you, Captain. Yeah, why, thank you, Captain. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, yeah, it's, 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 this is a cool episode. This is, um, it's well, it's, I think it's well done. Mm-hmm. Fox actually comes around a little bit. Um, yeah, he just kind of forgets the fact that they you know, tried to murder him. Yeah, and like, just well, like, it's his job. Yeah, you know. I guess we'll, we'll, you know, I have experience in peace right. things, so, you know, right. let me help you broker a peace between your two people. Yeah, like he's, like, a, you know, I mean, I think, like, that was why he was there anyway, so, like, that's kind of, uh, mm. he doesn't have any ill will towards him killing his, you know, his buddy, his assistant, yeah. and, um, and he doesn't even really, like, begrudge what Kirk did, because he recognizes that Kirk saved his life, but also, um, that this was, this was, that now there can be peace. Yeah, yeah. Because it, Spock... Kirk does that great speech. He's like, you know, that's all it takes. Okay, we're savages. We're, we're barbarians. But we're just not going to kill today. Yeah. Like, <laughs> today. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you got to start somewhere. And you can't, you have to face that war is a messy, messy business. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's how this episode ends. Yeah. He's like, war is a very, very messy business. And he goes, Captain, you almost make me believe in luck. He says, yeah. Spock, you almost believe in miracles. That's how this episode yeah, and it, it's a cool. I mean, I think it's an interesting. Um, I think it's an interesting. You know, uh, the Kirk acknowledges that humanoids are. You know, we are a. We have a bloody history. Yeah, I, I feel that um, the fact that. You know, there's a there's a quote. Um, you know, it is good. It is well that war is so uh, horrific, lest we grow too fond of it. And that's basically what the script was right. for this episode. Like, it's just you know, they've grown fond of the the war, right? You know, so it's it's easy to just accept that it's just a daily part of life for them because you know, it they don't see the suffering necessarily. You know, well that's the and when you brought it up earlier, the difference between like Kirk and Picard is a hundred years of society. Hmm. So if I think of Two great presidents, you know. Mm. I'll, you know, I, I'm not going to give him the powerful president. Yeah. But let's take a president. Let's take Teddy Roosevelt mm-hmm. and any of your favorite presidents of the last 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Teddy Roosevelt handled interactions much differently than the presidents of today. 
So we could look at Teddy Roosevelt and say, well, what was he thinking? But for his time, that was he was a cow he was a cowboy, like in mm-hmm. a sense. He literally like charged San Juan Hill. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like he's he's a rough rider. Like that's that was his history. I really like Teddy Roosevelt, and he was the right president for the right time. I guess you know what? Compare him as Cousin. FDR is a different president, and he's a great president in his right. But they they're very different presidents of their time. Teddy Roosevelt was not a big diplomist. FDR was, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of people say like you know F- the world would have been a very different place if FDR would have died in the, at the end of the war. If FDR could have lived another three four years, if, if Lincoln could have lived another three four years, you know, American society been very the world would have been very different. So again, when you take those two, and I think that's the thing when you think about the way Kirk handles things, society, and then you advance next generation hundred or whatever hundred years after it's supposed to be hundred years, but I'm hundred years after the original Star Trek, um, Picard is more of a diplomat. Mm-hmm. Diplomat, Society's much more established, and he doesn't necessarily appreciate the way Kirk and the guys handled it back in the day. But back then, Kirk even says, like, we're the only, we're the only guys out here. We ha- like, that's the, I think that's the, the Taste yeah. of Armageddon episode. Or no, no, that's the, uh, is that it, the Gorn episode, or is that the Battle, Balance of Terror, where he's <laughs> like, we're the only policemen around in this these parts. I believe that was Balance of Terror. Yeah, like, we have to do this. Like, we yeah. have to, like, we can't let people get away with stuff like that. So it, not, and again, like, in the future, you know, Picard's enterprise. So Picard has the luxury of being a diplomat. Yeah. Yeah, he's got, the, you know. Kirk doesn't. Yeah, the Federation at that point is very d- established. It's yeah. very... It's very powerful. Um, right. It's a it's a regional power. There's, yeah. you know, yeah. the borders are well secured. Yeah. Um. So it's like, you know, you have the luxury of being like, okay, let's let's sit back and talk about this, you know, right. rather than Kirk, you know, where you just you're just a alone ship out in the expanse, you know. Yeah. Most of the time on Next Generation, even you feel like everybody knows who the Federation is. Where most of the time on the original series, we don't know. A lot of these planets don't know what the mm-hmm. Federation is. It's not far enough along yet. So, I mean, that's kind of like, again, I think applies to why these episodes are written. And, again, they were also written for their time. They were written for the 60s. And, and you know, people were very nervous about dying tomorrow in a nuclear war. Like, yeah. we were. Like, that was not me. That was from my mother-in-law. But, like, mm-hmm. but that was a thing. I mean, you know, like, hunker under your desk. That'll work. You know, yeah that that was definitely a, a central theme of this episode was just you know, well what's what's the solution for destructive war and you know instead of <coughs> diplomacy these right. people chose another almost even more destructive path in the long run. Which is why you brought up that like great line where Spock says, "Well, I understand it." Yeah. Well, I didn't, didn't think it's a good idea, but I understand the logic of it. I don't agree with the logic of it, but I think it's a good idea. You know. Yeah. And you guys at work. Yeah, he knows you know. he knows why it's happening. He just doesn't And he says, Well, like, you know, like you took a big risk. He says, Really? He says one of their you know, one of their attacks would have killed whatever. He says they've been killing that many a year for five hundred years. Mm-hmm. He says I thought it was a possibility because I thought that if they faced real war, if this level of comfort was taken out, that that would change their mindset. And he, he because I, I think he, I think he, like he doesn't hate everybody. Like sometimes Kirk wants to just he hates. Well, you can tell he's just like these people. Just, just he despises them. Where I don't think he necessarily despises 
uh, you know, seven, um, Amar seven, whatever his name is. I think he just like this guy, like, dude, you gotta like, this isn't working for your society. Like, he yeah. wants you to fix your society. I mean, he's mad at him because they want to kill his crew. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, he is more of a he does diplomacy in his own you know cowboy diplomacy yeah. way, which Captain Kirk's famous for. Yeah, he blows up the thing instead of convincing them not to use it anymore. Yeah, right. Like, um. okay, I tried to get you to listen to me, but you so okay, well, I'm gonna make you. And again, is this a prime directive violation? Um, it, well, there's no evidence that the society wasn't advancing, um, but I think this is a prime directive violation, yeah. Like, it's, uh, the internal politics of a independent society. So does he get away with it because he ended up being an advocate that ended up right leading to the peace, the end of that war? Although here's here's the difference though, they were sent there to broker a treaty. Yeah. So in a sense, he did. He found a way to broker the treaty, and I think Fox is going to back him. So I think he won't get in trouble. He wouldn't get. I mean, obviously, he's not going to get in trouble. But like, yeah. um, it's an interesting thing. I think in this situation, Fox will say, "Well, this society was literally using you know like computer to tell people to commit suicide." So maybe in their stri- and that will be the thing like, no, we showed them what the horror of wars were, so we were able to help them, um, you know, find a peaceful solution and win the war. So they did at the end end the war. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we we assume they ended the war. It was it was hopeful. I, th- hopeful. I think it was. Nah, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Um, but like, I just like that one line where it, he's like, he he basically just says, well. You're you're terrified of this. You are. Right. I can see you shaking right now. It, right. It, I'm right. paraphrasing, right. but you, what do you think they're feeling right now right. All on the other side of the solar right. system? Right. You know. And then he says, like, you know, talk to Zendikar. Like, yeah. Like, you know, they're going to be just as horrified as you are. And he's like, if I were you, I'd start building bombs. Yeah. You know, like, it's kind of like it's it's a. He does that weird like over the top. Yeah, I'm a warrior, but then he like softens it up like call them like they're horrified to end this end this now and you know that reminds me of a of a something they said right right at the end of the episode right that really kind of exemplified that they said we do have a direct line to right. the vendicar right but we haven't used it in 300 years right you know which just really hammers home that right complacency with this situation i hope it's not on a battery because yeah it's like your cell phone i've been oh i forgot to charge the <laughs> direct line to vandekar yeah. <laughs> yeah the red phone wasn't or, uh, uh, they're all or they're out to lunch nobody answers because they could be on a different schedule maybe yeah. like they're <laughs> maybe it's the middle of the night on vandekar when they call <laughs> it's funny that everything is always at the same time right it's always at yep. the same time and um I was I was gonna say like, you know, there's it's always funny that like things are always at, like the same, and they always, like that's why one of the things I loved about Deep Space Nine, that the rotation of uh, Bajor was 26 hours mm-hmm. equivalent to Earth, so it wasn't quite the same day. Yeah. I like the fact that they finally found a planet where the length of the day was yeah. a little bit different, and that's and I like that they did that on I I like that they did that on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Where they tried to have like a standard time, like all Federation ships operate on a standard time. So if you beam from one ener- one ship on one side of the universe to the other side of the universe, 
they're both five o'clock. Yeah. Like they're always they're all on the same. So if you're reaching out to another thing, like they're they're up too. So they're like so even because obviously if you're orbiting a planet, one of those timelines is going to line up with yours. But I I feel like they have to they follow kind of a timeline there, you know, which is except in deep space nine because if it's deep space nine, they're following a twenty six hour day. Yeah, the, the it's a Bajoran station. Right. So which made a, I was like that. I thought that was a cool thing. And then but even like on deep space nine where, or even the next generation where like. They would go to like the lights would dim and they would yeah. almost have like a light, you know, like everybody would else get a break and then data would still be working on the bridge and everybody else got their day off. <laughs> yeah. Well, data doesn't sleep, so I think yeah. you always, I always assumed he worked like not 24 hours a day because obviously he's, yeah, he's playing a violinist. Yeah, he's but, got other things he likes to do. But it seems like he would take a lot of night shifts. That's what it seems like. It seems like he works like first and second shift maybe. Right. Um, but like I, I think that the time in, in, on the like starship time is baked into the star dates right because like they they really go like they when they say what the star date is it's like way more than what like just you know month day year would be or right. whatever it was right so i assume they have time baked in there too i've tried to figure out some things one time like i got in like i think i might have mentioned this i got into like a, a debate about with somebody when we were talking about the girl like finney's daughter on the enemy with uh the enemy no on um uh, court martial yeah about like that girl should be 12 yeah or 14 but she looks like she's played by a 28 year old actress and i got into like a big thing on one of the star trek uh, facebook pages people were mad at me and other people got what i was saying but i'm like he met finney when he was in the academy so he's 18 19 mm-hmm. and then and now he's 34 he's mm-hmm. 30 he's 34 by the time we Star Trek starts, because he becomes captain when he's 32. He's the youngest captain in Star Trek history, which is not mentioned on the original series. It's mentioned in other con- other stuff. It's not mm-hmm. mentioned, but it is canon that he's the youngest captain in Starfleet history. And that was, again, a, almost a re- like a, a nod to JFK, um, you know, that he's this you know, new generation young people. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, at most, if he met Finney and he was in the Academy for a couple of years, yeah. She's born when he's twenty, like so. She's fourteen, like that's at most. Like, and I tried to figure out what the start. This, like, there are like these weird like online, you know, calculators, but I don't think they were consistent. I think in the beginning they were just making up numbers. Yeah, I don't think they were no. trying to like follow any type of continuity. Yeah, no, there's there's a whole lot of conflicting statements. Yeah, is well, that's what I'm talking about. These two guys doing a podcast about right. it. And this is sixty years. Yeah, I don't think anybody really expected that there would be whole convention centers filled with people dressed like us. Was there know. anything that that existed like this before this? With that, this much of a cult following? Yeah. What is there a cult following before this? To like maybe Doctor Who. But Doctor Who came about the same time. Oh, I thought it was way older. It's a little bit older, but Doctor Who maybe, but that, like, you really couldn't watch Doctor Who in America until, like, yeah, Doctor Who comes out, starts in 1960, but I don't, they had fan clubs and everything. I I guess probably the only thing would probably be, like, things like Howdy Doody and stuff, maybe. Like, maybe there would be, like, some, um, you know, like, kid 
clubs like mailing things like because I know like Peter Capaldi he played the doctor was a president of the Doctor Who fan club mm-hmm. in his high school so I'm sure there was that but there weren't where there there probably were like Cert- autograph signings but yeah. was there an event like I don't I don't think there really was like certainly not to this scale like I don't maybe Lord of the Rings maybe like as a, as a book series yeah like i mean i can't think i don't think there was like if you think about tv shows and movies that came out in the 50s and 60s like there wasn't like a casablanca fan club you know or yeah. like you know like there wasn't there i mean right there wasn't i think star trek and maybe doctor who were probably like i said there was probably some like flash gorney type stuff like mm. you know before you know, dark riders back into the 30s and 40s but a lot of that was just fan clubs where you'd mail in i don't know if there was a lot of events i'm sure you could meet the actors they probably had autograph signings. I'm sure they did all that, but I'm maybe and I'm, they probably wasn't. I'm sure there was merch because I know you can buy merch from Flash Gordon in the 40s. I'm sure you could buy merch, but there was nothing like this where there was literally a convention where all these fans got together and then and and literally, you know, like let. I mean, there were all these letter writing campaigns in things. Maybe comic books, like yeah. Comic Con. When did that start? I don't know. Not not. Not before Star Trek got started, because mm. I went to I went to a Star Trek convention at the Niagara Falls Convention Center in probably 1976, and I remember sitting there. That's the casino in Niagara Falls now, and I remember sitting there, and I they showed um, like a half an hour film reel of bloopers from the thing from the original show. And I'm 90% sure Shatner and Roddenberry were there and they spoke. And there were thousands of people there. There was probably four or 5,000 people at this thing. I don't remember, like, again, I was a kid. So I don't remember. I'm sure there was tables where you could go buy stuff. They yeah. probably bought some things. I don't remember. I'm talking about back when I was a little brother. But that was a pretty big deal. I remember going to that. And that was kind of, and I was already kind of cemented in Star Trek anyway. But, uh, I don't know, like, it, it's just, I don't, but obviously no one expected that people would ask Captain Kirk what his locker combination was. Yeah. To, to look at his, you know, his medals and stuff. Yeah. And, and was it the same? I never, I'm sure somebody had figured out whether it was, because he opens it up a couple different times, and I wonder if, like, he pressed the same buttons each time. Yeah. Nowadays, they would make sure and be pressed the same, mm-hmm. you know, there'd be a Bible that has, like, two, one, nine, four. Yeah, they wouldn't have like the side thing have different buttons at different <laughs> times. My feeling is that changes. Yeah, depending yeah, on I mean, like you know, it's like an app. You can change the settings on it. Like yeah, it's like um, we're in an IR store and you hit the the app control and it changed the jackpot. This button no longer. Yeah. Same way you can save settings on your keyboard. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like what they did with Next Generation with the changing like glass uh, keyboards, except it's. You know, they don't have the technology to do that back then. So right. it's, you know, instead it's just physical buttons that are meant to be like that, right. I guess. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, think that kind of covers it. So yeah. our next episode we're going to do our watch party with Space yeah. Seed. I, I think that's a good idea. So. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I really want to, like, just really just almost, you know, people have, se- people have seen Space Seed. Right. right, like, I almost just want to just pause it every once in a while, just like really talk about yeah, it. Let's, because, yeah, let's. Like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. We'll stop and we'll talk about it. And like, then we'll it's it's not. We don't have to react to it because, like, 
I've seen it like five times in my life. Yeah, I'm I'm Uh, sure I've seen it more. So, like, you know, I really want to just pause at moments because there's a lot of moments. Like, I just watched this, like, last night. So, you know, there's so many moments where... Admittedly, I haven't watched Space Seed in a long time. Um, I've watched Wrath of Khan as recently as three, Mm -hmm. four months ago. I watched... One day I was just bored and I don't know. And I watched... Um, I was working on the computer in the office just you know getting up and doing things but I watched um, two three four <laughs> in, in one in one evening um, I mean I was doing other stuff I was mm-hmm. getting up and walking around I think especially during Dave's time but yeah. I always liked that trilogy and that people have always kind of decided that's people's favorite kind of a trilogy mm-hmm. um, you know um, and I because it kind of wraps up with everything that happens two weeks, three, three weeks before, and so it just doesn't give away shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or it's just Bach coming back from the dead or whatever. But um, there's a lot of really cool things in Wrath of Khan. And um, I don't know, like, I, 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 it's just such an, I mean, obviously it's probably the most important Star Trek movie, even important to, to motion picture, because it really brought Star Trek back. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my friends and I going to see the original motion picture and not hating it, but being disappointed. Mm. Um, but we didn't hear Captain Kirk say Space the Final Frontier. We didn't hear the music. Mm. There's one tiny, tiny reference. We weren't real fond of the costumes. Yeah, um, We uh, loved the ship. Everybody loved the ship. We're not super fond of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets to some humanity, but it takes way too long to get to the humanity of of um it, it but but it in and, and and all in all like but when wrath of khan comes up mm-hmm. i mean i would see wrath of khan in the movie probably four or five times yeah i i, I saw wrath of khan before i actually watched star trek um and i just remember it it, it being a good movie like without any of the additional I think that context movie hold, i think it holds up yeah i think the special effects hold up Industrial Light Magic did the special effects. Well, yeah, they're physical props. Yeah, I they, mean, they blow up physical things. I mean, we, I'm, we probably were going off on it. I'm sorry, I'm going off on the IO went on a tangent. Right. But um, I, I, there's a sh- I remember like sitting with my friend Rich, who I think listens to the podcast, and we went to see it. And I remember like the shot of the Enterprise almost colliding with the Reliant, like or the Reliant almost colliding with the Enterprise, where like literally yeah. we've never seen. Obviously, Star Wars out was out at this point, mm-hmm. and we had seen Luke Skywalker and the Millennium Falcon go through asteroid belts and all that stuff. But we'd not seen two on the big screen, mm-hmm. two big ass ships battling it out, and that's mm-hmm. what I think why Next Generation, excuse me, Wrath of Khan is so cool because it's the first time we see two ships going at each other, yeah. and like at this level with full on phasers and damage to the ships. Because on the original series. It's it's the, all the, it's the, shaking. Yeah, like the MacGuffin, you know, the MacGuffin of the only time we ever saw a ship damaged was Doomsday mm-hmm. Machine, you know, the Doomsday Machine, and then, but they didn't do that on a regular basis. Like nowadays, we we, we damage the model because it's only CGI anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we saw like a ship get like you know literally wet parts of the ship get blown off, and like you know the ships you know things are falling off the bridge, and and I that's why I think you know Wrath of Khan is what we wanted. Um, and it really kind of reset the Star Trek universe the way it should have been. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, what was it, Star Trek Five that was being filmed con- uh, at the same time as Next Generation? I, I, they overlap. Four and five, 
five and six are overlapping because um, there's definitely some pictures of the cast of five, or Star Trek five, interacting with the cast, like because they were all filmed on the Paramount lot. But obviously, in six, Michael Dorn actually plays his grandfather hmm. in um, the Undiscovered Country. I can't even remember the Undiscovered Undiscovered Country is the one where Nimoy helped write the script and he had this concept of Chernobyl. Hmm. Taking the concept of Chernobyl and applying it to the Klingons. Oh, right. The, and, yeah, and that was the, what, and that's why such, that's why, again, Kittimer, you yeah. know, like why I think people like Six. So I love Six. Shields. S- yeah. You know, Six is my second favorite Star Trek movie um, of the original series movies. And and I think like Spot uh, when Nimoy said to I think it was Nicholas Meyer like I got this great idea for a Star Trek for the last Star Trek movie where we actually start to have peace with our bad guys like he goes because we know in the future next generation and Nimoy knew this that in the future the Klingons and the Federation are friends now mm-hmm. well why we don't it's never really mentioned we just we just kind of yada yada it next generation so. Oh, yeah. Nimoy said to Paramount and Nicholas Meyer, I think who was, he's like, why don't, why isn't the last Star Trek original series movie, let's make that about that Kirk and Spock and the gang, they're the ones that lead to the first real peace treaty. Like, mm-hmm. and if there's anybody that should lead to the first peace treaty, it should be Captain Kirk, who suddenly murdered by a Klingon. Yeah. And he goes, and we've got this economic, you know, sociological di- disaster of Chernobyl going on in Russia at the time. Which really led to Russia, the Soviet Union's collapse. Mm. Um, maybe that is, and since we always kind of thought of the Klingons as kind of being like the Russians, maybe that is a chance for us. And that was a genius. I think that was great. And that's incredible sci-fi. So, you know, and I think people have kind of forgotten, mm. like, the, the genesis of that movie. And they just watch the movie now. Where maybe they don't, like, they don't appreciate the movie the way I do. Because, again, watching the movie within the time frame, kind of like what your mom said in her email. Like, yeah. it's, it's cool that way. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to get to the movies. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, the a taste of Armageddon? It's it's a good episode. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's it's one I like, and it's got some great funny moments in it. It's got some you know it's the it's it it's it's again like we've talked about it before. Like this show was written well. Like. Yeah. The character, the acting, the directing is all really good. Like we see things and they're well established. We watch you watch TV shows now, and I don't think they get disestablished so quickly. It takes them a year sometimes to get mm-hmm. their footing. Where I feel like this show was pretty much we knew what the show was going to be four or five episodes in. Yeah, like you know? even when it was like even when the show was struggling, like technically, which it struggled a lot technically in the beginning. Yeah. Like they they always made a solid attempt to build a script that was right. worth producing um which and, you know the last thing i'll say about this episode and the episode before no phasers you know s- s- so to speak you know they blow up a yeah. computer but like i mean there's no like there's no like there's not a lot of like spaceship stuff there's mm-hmm. not there's, they're, they're not even really on the spaceships in any of those episodes and and I think that sometimes was the best thing about Star Trek is it didn't always have to be on the ship. I love the ship centric episodes too, but if it was always and I think that's kind of why Voyager struggles because mm-hmm. they're stuck on the ship. 
They can't they can't just go down to planets very often. They do, and it's kind of forced because why are they there? They should be trying to get home. Yeah. Like it, it just like the premise Voyager always threw me off because I always felt that they would struggle, and that was almost the reverse of that. Why people were like worried about Deep Space Nine because they weren't on a ship. They didn't even have a ship. They were stuck on a space station, which is almost the like the other thing, which is why people you know I think why they brought the Defiant in and they had to do some things. But you know I I liked sometimes because we had this freedom on Star Trek to mm-hmm. just have episodes that had nothing to do with them, with the Romulans or the Klingons or anything. It yeah. was just like, you right. know, part of the exploration of, 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 you know, which Star Trek was supposed to, which is Star Trek was about or is about. Yeah, Star Trek has never really been about the ships. I mean, people like the ships. Yes. But it's not about the ships. It's about the people. Right. Which is why Deep Space Nine is so good because it's only the people for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Um. And so. and not just the eight people in the credits or whatever it is. Yeah, it's all these other people, and that's why I love Deep Space Nine. I think I still think Deep Space Nine is the best sci-fi show of all time. Yeah, um, best Star Trek show. I mean, I'm sure people will disagree with that. I mean, I love the original series, but if we're going to talk about and, and, and I'm always of the argument, well, you can't say that because the original series. If we didn't have the original series, you wouldn't have Deep Space Nine. So okay, we'll put that aside because that's usually my argument. Mm-hmm. Like you know, well, you're li- you're allowed to like the yeah the sequel stuff more than right. you know what came before. I mean, I love and I love Next Generation. I don't dislike Next Generation. There's only a couple shows I'm not too fond of, um, but I'll watch them because um, they're still Star Trek and I, there's still something in them that is watchable. There's a couple episodes I'm like, you know, I have to skip of all these shows, um, and they're not the traditional ones that a lot of people don't like. I, I, I the ones I don't like. I like some of the s- terrible Star Trek episodes that people hate. I like some mm-hmm. of those. I think they're funny. I don't. I just don't like how bad they are. I enjoy yeah. <laughs> like the making fun of how bad they are sometimes. Yeah, so, I, I get that. <laughs> you know, like brain and brain. What is brain? <laughs> like, this is Fox brain episode. I love that episode. I think it's hilarious. I think it's so bad that it's it's all, so bad that it's good. Like yeah. it's just so campy. You know, like you know, it almost is just running out of ideas. Yeah, we'll, you know? we'll see how you feel about that when we get to Tuvix. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. All so. right. All right. Well, uh, some housekeeping. If you yeah. got, if you have any qu- um, comments about uh, the seed, which we yeah. will be watching live. Well, not live, but yeah. you know, we'll be re- watching, pausing, discussing it yeah. next time. Right. Uh, if you have any comments, then you know, it, it, in the format, like the the better way to do it would be to you know discuss the specific moments in the episode because that's right. how the, the, the format that we're going to be doing when we do it so but you know i'll if if you send something i'll, I'll work it in somehow sure, definitely i'll yeah. find a way to work it in definitely um uh probably won't really answer we'll probably wait till until a normal episode to discuss more general topics or you know right. if you have comments about a different episode right um but I want to thank everybody for watching and yeah. listening. Yeah. Uh, this has been the Double Fist Punch Podcast. And remember, clasp your hands together, you know, and just... Where's the other part?